Hey there, thank you so much for clicking on this message today. I wanted to take a minute just to introduce myself. My name is Jean-Michel, and together with my wife, I lead Collective Church. You're gonna hear a message preached from one of our Sunday services, and I really pray that it blesses you today. So thank you again for clicking on, and enjoy the sermon. Let's pray, and let's get into the Word this morning. Lord Jesus, we are excited to experience you through your Word. This morning, will you come and speak to us like we've never heard before? Will you come and move inside of our hearts? Lord, it's not about any one man. It's not about any one thing except you and your name. So will you speak and will you shine your light bright? Will you come and make our minds ready, our hearts ready to receive your word this morning? We give you all the praise and glory in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we're in uh, our current series is the We Are series, right? It's our culture code. And we've come up with these eight things that we believe make us who we are, that we need them in our lives. We need to pursue them. We need to see them happening inside of our lives. These are our culture, what makes us at Collective who we are. And we started last week with number one, and that is we are authentic, right? Being authentic in this church is going to impact a generation. It's going to speak to people in a way like they've never been spoken to before. Jesus was real. He knew the struggles of his people, and he met them where they were at. We as the church are going to do the exact same thing. And so for anyone who's here for the first time, you need to know that at this church, we are real. You don't need to show up and look like you're all perfect and life is all perfect. We know that we go through ups and we go through downs and we can be real with God and with each other. And as we are truly authentic, God actually comes into those difficult moments and gives us hope and gives us peace. So number one, we are authentic. Number two, we are going to start with today, and that is we rest and run. Everybody say rest. Everybody say run. Everybody say rest. Everybody say run. I want to open up with a scripture. And so if you've got your Bibles here, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We know it well. We're going to read it together. It says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Today, as we open up, I want you to have this in your mind. I want you to have this, this scripture in, your, in the back of your mind the whole time. Do not be conformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as we open today, I want you to think of your job, your work life. I want you to think of your day-to-day. -day. You wake up in the morning, you get ready you go on your way to work. What is that like? Just think about it in your mind. What does your day look like? Maybe you're taking kids to school. Maybe you're a university student and you're, you're finding your way to university. What does that look like? What does your day look like? Especially those of us that are working jobs, what does it look like? What, how do you feel in that traffic on the way to work? How do you feel in the bus? Or how do you feel when you're going? What about that boss that you're going to? How does it make you feel? 
I want you to keep that in mind. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story, story of my very first job, my very first job. It was, it was very prestigious. It was well-paying. And uh, it treated me very well. I had lots of time off. No, as you know, none of that is true. It was the worst job on earth. It was the worst thing ever. I was a promoter. And all the students say, amen. I've done that. <laughs> I know what that's like. I was a promoter. You know that guy or that girl that when you're walking down pick and pays aisles, you see them at the end of the aisle and they're standing by the thing you need. They're standing right by it. And you just know, if you look at them in the eye, that you're going to have to talk to them. And they're going to try and sell you something that you really just don't want. That was me. I was that guy. I sold Kulganet. I believe it changed its name to Finnish. Finnish is a uh, dishwashing tablet. Not just a dishwashing tablet, one of the most expensive dishwashing tablets. And it was my job to make sure you didn't buy anything that was reasonably priced. You had to buy Kulganet because it was much better. I'm telling you, when you use that other stuff, you get grease and grime and it's not nice and you take it out and there's, there's stuff left on your plates and it doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work. You've had this experience. You need Kulganet because it's better. And everyone is like, yeah, but it's twice the price. And I'm like, but it's better. And they're like, but it's twice the price. And I'm like, but it's better. Buy it or I don't get paid. It's the worst job in the world. I would go to the back of a pick and pay and walk through all the boxes to get in there with my sandwich that was packed. I was about 17 at the time. I was still in school. And I was like, you know what? I need a job because I want to go out and have fun with my friends. So I found the only job that I could get at that point in time. And my mom would drop me off at these pick and pays all over the place. And I would spend the next, I don't know, six thousand years standing by the Kalganet. It was the worst. It took forever. And they would send people. I mean, can you imagine? They would send people from the company to make sure you were doing your job. And if you weren't doing your job, and if you weren't selling out, they would just fire you right there. We would, I would watch my friends. It's like we would go in like, ah, come on, man, you can do it today. You're going to sell out, man. And oh, no, I'm not going to sell out. I don't know how to sell. You're going to sell out, man. You're going to be fine. And we'd walk in as a team. And halfway through the day, we'd be dropping like flies. People would come in. You're fired. You're fired. You're not doing your job. Right, you took a break that was five minutes too long. You're fired. That was my first job, it was great. I loved it. I did it for like a month, I got paid, and I never did it again. It's not true. I did it one more time. I was in university by this time, and I was like, okay, cool, extra money, that'll be great. I'll go and do it. And it's like, you know, when you go through a trauma, and then some time passes, and you think it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad, right? That's exactly the experience I had. So I went to this room with all these other students. It's always students, man. You know, they've got to get you when you're young and you've got no other option. We're sitting there in this room. There's about 12 of us. And they're getting us to sell some kind of liquor thing. I, I, I really, it's hard for me to explain because to this day, I don't know what I was selling. I don't. They gave me a board and a shirt that didn't have sleeves. And, I, you know, I'm not, I mean, the guns are huge, right? But... You know, it was like a dress, really. It was more like a dress. Anyway, and I'm supposed to go and sell this thing called Skelters 
to this day, I'll never forget the name. I have no idea what it is. It's like a bottle and it has an orange label. I don't know what it is. So here's the thing. They set me up in this, this tiny little spa tops store um, about the size of this stage with fridges there and like the guy who sells the stuff and puts the money in the cashier over there. And I would have to stand here and everyone had to go past me to get to any of the fridges, right? And I didn't know what I was selling. So I was, anyone that came in, I mean, you might be coming in for a bottle of water or a Coke or something. And I'm like, you need to buy Skelters. And they're like, what Skelters? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> they're like, but what is it? Like, why must I buy this thing? I'm like, because it's really good. <laughs> it was the worst. And I, remember I, did, I literally did it for about an hour. I think I did it for about an hour. And by that time, I could drive myself. So I was like, you know what? I'm done with this, this dress and this nonsense. I'm done with this life. I remember what this was like. I'm not doing it again. I got in my car and I drove away. They phoned me and I was like, I'm not doing this. And they're like, but you can't. I'm like, I'm not doing this. And I hung up on them and I never heard from them again. So I'm sorry to my boss, whoever that was. I dropped you. I did. But I wasn't going to sell any of your stuff anyway. So I was probably doing more damage than anything else. So that was my first job. I don't know what your first job was like, right? I, I'm sure probably similar to mine, you know. We, first jobs are not always easy. We tend to have this romanticized view of what work is like, even to this day, right? We tend to have a romantic view of, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get stuff done and I'm going to be productive and things are going to happen and I'm going to grow my company. And this is what work is usually like. Eight hours of your day filled to the brim with stress and worry and anxiety, and freaking out, and figuring things out, and then some quiet good moments, and then back to the grind. This is what it usually looks like. I want you to think about this. If work is eight hours of your day, you spend roughly eight hours sleeping, you spend roughly eight hours working every day, and then you have about eight hours in between those things to do everything else in your life. Your work life becomes roughly one-third of your adult life. That's a huge chunk of time to be stressed, anxious, and going through challenges, right? I don't believe that this is the way God made us to be. I really don't believe it. You know, in South Africa, employment is difficult to say the least. And I know in this room right now, we have people who need work, are looking for jobs. It's the reality of South Africa. At this point in time, we have such a high unemployment rate that it's a whole other level of anxiety and stress on top of us. But even if you go and look at places where jobs are pretty much readily available and most people are working, a place like America, for example, it has its own challenges. But for the most part, you can find a job. Most people are working. I want to give you a couple of statistics today just to put into perspective what our world looks like. One third of our adult life is spent like this. There's a Barna study that went into thousands of places, workplaces, thousands of uh, workers were asked and questioned, and it came out that 50% of the American workforce, and it's very much the same here, is stressed every day. 50%. We're talking about millions and millions and millions of people that every day they face Stress, not just one or two days a week, every day. 41% say that they are worried and fearful every day at their job. 
22%, one in every five, are sad. They describe their work life as sad. They are sad every day. And 18%, also one in five, say that they are angry at their workplace every day. That is unbelievable. This is in a place where jobs are available, where you can get a job, where if you leave your job, you can probably find a job somewhere else. And yet still in that kind of environment, half of the people who work say that they feel this way. I know in South Africa, it's the same. In fact, all around the world, it's the same because this world is built upside down and inside out. It's wrong. I want to ask, how does this factor into our health as human beings? If for one third of our lives we live stressed and anxious, how do we think our health is affected? It's hugely unhealthy. It's massively unhealthy. It's not good. It's not the way God designed us to be. And unfortunately, we have a world that does this essentially on, on purpose. The reality is that this world will use people until they are spent. And when you are spent, they will replace you with someone else. I think if I look around this room and I had to ask, I think so many of us, even you watching at home, you probably agree with what I'm saying. Maybe I've even been through a moment like this. Maybe where you've felt like you've given your all and yet you're just kind of tossed aside and not valued. That's the reality of this world. And it's not that people are like this. The system builds people like this. Because trust me, just as much as you are struggling, your boss has a boss on top of him who's on him. And there's another person on top of them that's on them because productivity must go up and we got to make money. And if you're not making enough money, you have to go. That's how this world works. And it's built that way because the enemy wants us stressed, anxious, depressed, angry. The enemy wants us to not have the mental and the spiritual capacity to deal with the world around us. That is the way this world is. But we are not conformed to the pattern of this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. The world's portion is not our portion. The world, the way the world does things is not the way we do things. I want to say this, that what we're talking about now is not unique to our time. Sometimes we look around at our generation and our time and we say, wow, it's, it's getting really bad. It's, it's, it must be way worse now than it used to be. But the reality is it's not really that much worse now than it was, say, in Jesus' time. In Jesus' time, you worked hard. You work long hours for little pay. Most of the time you traded. Not often you even, it's, it wasn't the same kind of monetary system that we work in now. There was, but it's not quite the same. It was difficult. People were stressed. People had so much hanging over their heads. And on top of all of the work life that they had to go through, they also had Pharisees sitting on top of them and Sadducees and religious leaders and teachers of the law telling them over and over again that they were not good enough for God and that they were were sinners and that there was something wrong of them, with them. And the whole thing just builds up as stress, tension, and anxiety. And Jesus knew how his people were feeling. He knew that his people were exhausted. 
And I think many of us find ourselves from time to time in the exact same place. For some of us, it feels like it's constant. It feels like it's never going to end. I want to read a scripture to us. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 11 from verse 28 to 30. It says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of us need an easy burden, right? A yoke that is light. I need it as well in my heart and in my life. You look across at what's going on in our nation. You look across at what's happening everywhere. And all it does is make us fearful. How many people have had those conversations like, well, are we going to stay here in this country? Do we even have the opportunity to go somewhere else? What are we going to do if everything falls apart? What if, what if, what if? All of these things build up inside of us stress and anxiety, and difficulty. Jesus knew that his people were spiritually, mentally, and emotionally exhausted, and they needed rest for their souls. You know, the context of this scripture, right? I never want to bring you scripture that's not in context. The context of Matthew 11 is actually what we read last week. There's this moment where Jesus compares. He says, to what can I compare this generation? They are people essentially who we bring the message to, but they don't receive it. They they don't listen to what we have to say. They would rather follow religious ways of doing things and try and, and be inauthentic, right? That's where Jesus speaks about it. He speaks about it in Luke where we spoke last week. And word for word in Matthew, it is recorded. He comes out of this and he starts to talk about how Even in the cities and in the towns where he performs miracles, people don't turn to him. He's saying to them, like, you know, in these cities, I came and I performed healings and miracles for you, and yet you didn't even turn your ways. You carried on in the same way. What is he saying? There is a generation that is going one way, and it is not God's way. It's going somewhere other than where God wants them to be. And even when things show up that are miraculous and different and beautiful, they don't even recognize it because their minds have been so shaped by this world, so conformed by this world that they cannot even see Jesus. They can't see it when he shows up. They can't see it in us. They're headed down this path. And then he comes to this point and he says, you know what? They might be headed down this path, but my path, the path that I'm walking down, the path that I want to lead my sheep down is one of rest, one of peace, one of joy, one of life. And I want to say to you today that this idea, this idea that Jesus has rest for our souls is something that guides us as a church. We're currently talking about resting and running. We're currently talking about our culture code. What does this mean for us? When I look at this world and I look at the anxiety and I look at the stress and the difficulty and the reality of what we face in this world, I know that there is a church that needs to look, sound, and be different. 
There is a church that needs to stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, we face challenges. We face difficulties. It's not always smooth sailing for us, but regardless of that, we have peace. We have rest. We have what Jesus has for us, and that is rest for our souls. And I know that when the world walks in here, and that's what they see, and that's what they experience, immediately they'll say, you know what? I need that. I need this Jesus you're talking about because in my life, I don't have peace. I don't have this life that you have. I have anxiety. I have stress. I struggle. But if, if I can get what you have, maybe I can find rest. In this church, this is what guides us. It guides the way that we put things together. It guides the way that we run events. It guides everything that we do as a church, that we do everything for God first from a place of rest. That's who we are. That's who we always will be. No matter what's happening out there, what that church is doing, what these people are saying, what the current trend is, we will be people of rest. I want to say this as we talk about this. God is not against work, not at all. In fact, He created you and me to work. Even Adam and Eve in the garden there, they had jobs to do, right? Adam had to tend the garden. Why? Because we were built to work. In fact, a human being that doesn't have something to do, some purpose in their life, will struggle even more than someone that has stress in their life. Without purpose, we're not going anywhere. And God is not against hard work either. You know, when we are truly challenged by the things that we face in our life and we overcome them and we get through, that provides a fulfilled life. God wants us to go out there in our workplaces and be hard workers, people who are people of influence. We want to be people who are giving our all and giving our best and doing everything that we can. But we do that from a place of rest. And it's very quick and easy. You know, we, I spoke about this last year and you can go and find that on our YouTube channel or our website. And you can go and see where we spoke about burnout, where we spoke about the need and the necessity for rest and what the different triggers are and what the different symptoms of burnout is. The reality is, if we don't receive this rest from Jesus, we will find ourselves burning out because that's what this world is designed to do, to take us there. You see, God himself gives us the blueprint of how work happens. We all know it. Six days he created the entire universe. And then on the seventh, he rested. And I want to ask you this question. What was God doing before he started working? He was resting. And then six days he works. And on the seventh day, he rests. He enters into rest. The work is completed. And so he enters into rest. Now, this idea, this idea of Sabbath is a much bigger idea. The the year of the Lord, the time of the Lord, we'll talk about that another time. It's everything to do with Jesus and everything to do with the spiritual rest that we get with the relationship with Jesus. But he also practically gives us what it means to work hard. We work and we give everything we have, but we rest first. First, we rest. And I want to ask you, what is the danger If we don't rest, if we don't have that peace, if we don't receive that easy burden that Jesus has for us, what is the danger? Here's the danger. Number one, our mental health. 
you become burnt out, you can become angry, you can become depressed, you can become destructive in your own life. But here's where the real problem is. This is why the whole system is built this way, because the biggest danger in the way that this world operates is in our families. What stress does, it removes parents from children. It removes husbands from wives. That when you get home, you're too tired to even be present with your kids, to even be connected to your husband or your wife, or you're so stressed out by what's going on in the world and in your workplace and in your life that you no longer have the capacity to have intimacy with your spouse, intimacy with your children. And so families are torn apart. Fathers are ripped from their kids and and sons and daughters are ripped from each other. And in in the end, what happens is people are on their own, out there by themselves. And some of you might even listen to me now and think, oh man, you know what? In my family, I've seen that happen. Maybe you grew up with a father or a mother who was so busy that they didn't have time for you. And so you feel a space, a brokenness, a difficulty in your heart because you never had that intimacy with your own parents. Maybe as a parent today, you're worried that this is going to happen in your family and you don't want it for your children. I want to tell you today that God, Jesus, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Your portion is not the world's portion. We do not conform to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so I want to say to us today, the biggest question on my mind when I talk about all of this is how. You know, it's not like we can just stop working. It's not like we can just pull ourselves out of the world and, you know, we've got to make money somehow. We've got to live. We have to somehow operate within the system that this world has. I get that and I agree. So how? How do we enter into rest that God has for us? I want to read one more scripture to us. It comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 9 to 11. It says this. Then there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of obedience. The context of the scripture, again, is people who see Jesus and do not follow him. People who do not follow God. He, um, Paul, writing this, is saying to the Israelite, he's, he's using examples of the ancient Israelites and how they didn't follow God. They didn't follow his voice. They led away from him and they were disobedient. In the same way, they become people who perish because of their disobedience. And what does he say? He says to us that we must therefore make every Every effort, we must labor to enter into God's rest. It's something you receive. It's something He gives you. It's not of this world. It doesn't come from inside your mind. It doesn't come from your boss. It comes from Jesus. And it's something we receive. I want to tell you today that you can actively receive the blessings of God every day in your heart and in your life. We sang about it this morning. That blessing, that favor, that peace, that rest is something God wants to give you. 
And it is an intentional and active thought to say to him, God, I am in the middle of the storm, but I know you have peace and you have rest for me. Will you give it to me? I will receive it today. And it does something inside of us that the world can't do, that no amount of sleep or exercise or anything else can do for you. It brings peace to your soul. Come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Today, I want to say to everyone here, you might be facing stress. You might be facing anxiety. Maybe your work life is great. Maybe your life at this point in time is good. Some of us, it's not in our work life. Some of us, it's in our health. Some of us, it's with our families. Some of us, it's with outside factors that are just on our minds the whole time. God wants to remove that anxiety from you and replace it with peace and rest. You see, again in the scripture, we're talking about spiritual rest here, a rest that comes from the freedom found in Christ. When we step into that Sabbath rest, it's that our sins are forgiven. We don't have to please God. We have a relationship with Him through His Son. And so that brings a peace and a rest. We do every effort. We make every effort to enter into that rest, the rest that Jesus gives us in our hearts. But when our spirits are at peace, it flows into our bodies. When our spirit is at peace, it flows into our mind. When our spirit is at peace, it flows into the way that we speak. We start to speak different. We start to think different. We start to get creative ideas at work, creative ideas at home. We start to have more time or more thought, more ability to spend time with our family, with our spouses. We're no longer as tired as we used to be. We're not depressed. We're not angry. We're not anxious. We're at peace with God. What happens in our spirits flows into every part of our lives. But the answer to how we enter into rest is both spiritual and practical. We labor into, to enter into his rest, receive peace in our everyday lives, but we also practically need to prioritize healthy rest, healthy time off, healthy time alone, healthy time in work, and healthy time in rest. And when we're talking about resting and running, it doesn't end at rest. It's not about just sitting down and chilling out and everything is good. No, the purpose of rest is so that we can run. That we can get out there and give our best. That we can get out there and give our all. That we can go to our workplace and be the most influential person there. That we can go into our churches and we can give into the service of God's kingdom. And to see people meet and encounter God, we rest and then we run. And I want to say to you today, you in your own life now need to take this message and practically put into practice prioritizing rest. I want you to look at your life and I want you to find an hour in a day where you get to spend time with God, spend time with your family, spend time alone, whatever you might need at that point in time where you can rest. Jesus did this all the time. He would take time away from his disciples and go to a quiet place and he would rest. Some of us, you might be saying, well, I don't have that time. My kids need my time. My job needs my time. I don't have that time. I promise you God will give it to you. He will show you where that time is. Okay, but then I'm going to have to wake up in the middle of the night. Don't worry. Don't worry. God is going to help you on this journey. What am I trying to say? You need it. 
It's not a question of whether you can or can't. You need it. We all need it. And as we prioritize rest, I'm not talking about removing work. I'm talking about healthy rest, good sleep, good exercise, good time with your family. As you do that consciously, your mind changes. What's in your spirit flows into your mind. It flows into every part of your body. God uses those moments to bring you peace and to bring you rest. And when you go back to the run, when you go back to your workplace, when you come to church, you can give your all. That's what God wants for you and for me. And I want to tell you that that's how this church runs. When we're talking about our culture code, this is what it means for us. We're not going to run so hard that we all burn out. I'm not interested in that, right? Yes, I can do something every night. I can go and minister at places all over. I can go and find, I can go onto the street. I can go and minister all day, night, and all night, and, 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 and do it all day. But what about my wife? What about my own mental space? What about myself? It's not selfish to make sure you are healthy because fathers, when you are healthy, your kids will be healthy. Your spouse will be healthy. Mothers, when you are healthy, your kids will be healthy. Your spouse will be healthy. Come on, we have to make this a priority. That's how this church will run. What does it mean for us? What does it mean? Number one, when we run, we run hard. So for this church, when you serve in this church, we come here early, we leave late, we leave it all. When you're part of the worship team, we give it all. When you're part of any team, we give it all. When we run, we run hard. But when we rest, we rest hard. We build family, we rest our minds, and we strategize for the next run. I believe this is how God wants us to work. I believe that this world doesn't work this way because it is always trying to push further and harder beyond the capacity that we have. But I believe this is how God wants us to be. And in fact, we will be more productive when we do things out of a place of rest than when we push and push and push until we fall apart. And as a church, we're committed to this. It means this for you who serve, even if you want to, even if you think you have the capacity to, you won't serve in more than two ministries. But pastor, I want to do many things. Yes, but I want you to rest. And when you do the things you do for church, I want you to do them with all the energy and passion that you have. I want you to come here excited. I want you to enjoy serving this church and I want you to have a good time doing it. And when you do, you're going to do it with all that you have. And when you go to rest, you're going to refill, you're going to replenish so that we can be effective as a church. This is our culture. This is who we are. We rest and we run. It also means that when we are overwhelmed, we talk about it. I want to say this to you. In this church, you have nothing to prove. And I would hope that we will build the same culture in our families as well, in our home lives, in our family lives. Then when we're overwhelmed, we talk about it. When something is not going well, we talk about it. When we're feeling stressed and anxious and things aren't going our way, we talk about it. And as we do, we help each other. We have that impact on each other. In this church, if you're feeling overwhelmed, I want you to come. You have nothing to prove to me. You have nothing to prove to God. 
You don't need to be the best, the, the, the one who's there half an hour before everyone else and leaves half an hour after everyone else and serves in every ministry and is always present. You have nothing to prove. Come and tell me when you are overwhelmed and we'll figure it out because first we rest, then we run. And all of this allows us to give our best. When you go to your job, I want you to give your best. I want your boss to know that they can rely on you. I want your coworkers to know they can rely on you. When you serve here at church, I want your team members, your crew members to know they can rely on you. I want you to be able to give your best to God, not the scraps, not what's left over, but really, truly, intentionally serving God with all that we have. That's what I want in this church. This allows us to give our best. But it's an intentional thing to seek God for rest, to put into place healthy practices that as we are taking time out on purpose, God is refreshing us and filling us. He wants that for you. This is what I want you to know. God has rest for you. Jesus looked at his generation and he could see what they needed. They needed rest. I want to say to you this morning, Jesus looks at you and he sees you need rest. You need rest in your spirit. You need to know that you are right with God. You are right with him. He is there and he loves you and he's never going anywhere. You need peace in your day-to-day life that when stress crops up, It is removed by our Father and replaced by peace, no matter what the storm, no matter what the challenge. That's what He has for you. And I look around this room, and I think so many of us can say, well, in this area, I'm fine. But in this area, I'm very worried. I don't know what's going to happen. It might be relational. It might be work-related. It might be family-related. It might even be ministry-related. Wherever you find yourself, wherever that stress is, God wants to give you peace now, this morning. He wants to give it to you. And every day from here on. Because God knows how He built you, how He fashioned you. We do not conform to the pattern of this world, but are transformed by the renewing of our mind. He wants to come in and change the way we think about productivity, the way we think about work, the way we think about ourselves, ministry in this world. That we rest first and then we run with all that we have. And so for one more minute across this room, if you know that in your life you're facing overwhelming amounts of stress, I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray with every person who might be going through a difficult, challenging time with their family. Maybe you feel like you have already hurt your children or pushed them away or not been present for them. I wanna promise you that God heals the brokenhearted. He's not gonna let your family fracture. He's gonna bring it back together but you gotta let him do the work. You gotta let him come into your family and reconnect those things that were broken. You gotta let him do it. And as you do, he's gonna come in and he's gonna bring life to you. So across this room, will you just get alone with God for a moment? I don't know where you're at, what you might be facing, the challenges you might be facing, but I know this, Jesus loves you. He cares about you. His yoke and his burden are easy and light. And he wants to take that heavy weight off your shoulders and replace it with peace. Let's pray.
Holy Spirit, we come to you this morning and we want to thank you that you are so present with us. We want to thank you for the way that you designed us to be. That, Lord, rest is a part, a deep part of who we are, who we were made to be. I want to thank you that you have the gift of peace, the gift of rest, ready to give to us every day. Lord Jesus, your mercy is new every morning. And as it is renewed, as it is made new, peace and rest become our portion. I want to pray today, Lord God, for every person who in their work life, they are facing stress and anxiety. Some people who might be facing challenges in their finances. Some people who might be facing um, retrenchments. People who might be facing the reality that they have to do more work than they have capacity to, but if they don't, they'll lose their job. Lord God, right now, I want to pray for every one of those people. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you give them peace. Give them rest. And Lord, they can receive the fullness of your peace this morning. That when they go to work, they go so confident. They go so creative. They go so with all you have for them. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, will you go in and remove the stress, remove the anxiety and replace it with peace. Father, I pray for families this morning. That Lord, where the pattern of this world has brought damage to families, Holy Spirit, husbands and wives, will you knit them closer together? Will you renew intimacy in marriages between husbands and wives? Will you remove the separation and will you bring a closeness together, Father? That, Lord, there will not be stress or anxiety that pulls families apart, but your life brings them back together. I also pray for parents and children that they would have a close connection. That Father God, where the world has stepped in and removed parents from children's lives, that you will restore that connection. You will restore that love, restore that light. That Father, we can become a beacon of hope in this world, a beacon of light, a beacon of your love and a beacon of who you are. That Lord, when the world looks at this church, they will see a place of rest, a place of peace, a place of prosperity, a place of productivity, Lord, but a place that rests first. That Lord, they will be attracted to that. I pray you will use us to impact our work lives, our families, Lord, that they will see something different in us, something that they want, something that they desire and we can lead them to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will also practically help us figure out how to spend time in rest, healthy rest. Take time to be quiet, to receive from your throne, to connect with our families, to practically make the choice to rest so that when we run, we run with all that we have. Lord, I pray you make us the most productive for your kingdom, the most fruitful for your kingdom. But Lord, that we do so just like you did from a place of peace, from a place of rest. And so this morning, we thank you for this, this code, this culture that you are building inside of our church. Will you help us embody it? That Lord, we don't go so hard that we burn out, but that we truly rest, that we have real joy, that we have real peace in doing work for your kingdom, Lord. From the staff to every volunteer, board members, crew members, in our connect groups, every part of this church, that we will love and enjoy to serve your kingdom. And we will do so with all our passion, all our heart and all our soul. 
And so right now we lift this church to you. I lift every person in this church to you. I lift every person watching online to you right now. That Holy Spirit, you would have your way in us, that you would make us that refreshed, renewed and new people. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Church, before we close today, I want to give one more moment to anyone in this place who has never given their heart to Jesus. This rest and this peace that comes, it comes when Jesus comes into your heart and He moves in your soul and it comes out in the rest of your life. Relationship with Jesus is everything and it's step one. And so if you have never given your heart to Jesus, I would love to pray a prayer with you. It's a prayer of faith where we place our faith in Jesus. You watching online right now, I'd love to pray with you. It's a simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. What it does is it puts our faith in Jesus. And as we do that, we activate what that sacrifice on the cross did. What did it do? It wipes sin away. And as it wipes sin away, it removes separation from God. God is life. And when we have connection with Him, we have life ourselves. And so right across this room, just for one more minute, for those of you online right now, will we close our eyes, bow our heads, get alone with Jesus. This is your moment with God. I wanna give you an opportunity to pray this prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would love to pray that prayer with me today, that you want that deeper connection with Jesus, you want that relationship with God, will you just raise a hand for a second and say, yes, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. Looking across this whole auditorium, don't let this moment go by. This is your moment to enter into relationship and rest with God. Jesus' name. I'm going to give one more moment for anyone else who wants to. Just raise a hand. Be proud. Online as well. Amen. You can put your hands down in Jesus' name. Wherever you might be, you can, re- you can look up church. You can look at me. We're going to pray this prayer together. And if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, and you just want to pray that prayer and be close to God again, I want you to pray this from your heart. Pray this prayer with me. Let's say together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. With all my faults, all my failures, and all my victories, I give to you. Today, forgive my sins. Wash me clean. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give a round of applause to everyone who prayed that prayer? If that's you in this place, at the back you'll see a sign that says, Jesus, what's next? Our hosts are there to help you and be with you in that moment. Online as well, there are people in the chat right now who are ready to help you and talk through what the next steps of your journey are. I pray God blesses every one of you today. I know that it's a, such a different mindset that we need to have as a church. But I promise you that as we rest, God is gonna make you productive. He's gonna make you powerful, influential, and He is gonna make you exactly who He wants you to be so that you can do what He has called you to do. And in this church, we will see the exact same thing come to pass. Every plan and purpose of God for this church because we give Him all that we have. And so I pray the word blesses you today. I pray you are filled with rest and filled with peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
everyone, we have now come to the end of our message and we would love to hear from you. So there's a few ways that you can contact us. You can either drop a comment in the chat below or you can visit our website which is www.collective.org.za and you can contact us from there. We just want to thank you for joining us again today and our messages come out weekly so we'll see you again next week.